Welcome to our fourth and final episode of the Live at the Desperate Film Fest that was held on Saturday, December 3rd at the Prime Cinemas in Red Bluff, California. We sat down with Roland Bussetta, the writer and director behind Agatha, an experimental horror film that blends animation with live action. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Grim and Bloody Podcast. This show is a presentation of horror, thriller, and suspense, and is intended for mature audience. Join us at your own risk. All right, we're back at the Death Trade Film Fest 2022, Saturday, December 3rd. Um, we've had some really great interviews uh, with Jay Lee uh, and Saul, who played uh, Flaccus, the main character. We had Elizabeth Yoder and James Dorney representing Surprise. And we have the one and only Roland Bessetta, uh, whose film is about to screen in about 10 minutes, Agatha, to the Red Bluff audience. Um, I mean, we're loaded with questions here. I hope you drink, you got a bottle of water. We might, we might be, might be here a hot minute. <laughs> we, we, five hour <laughs> um, well, I mean, where to even start with Agatha is, is the question. Like, literally, just the, the, the photography, just looking at the still images of this feature that you sent to uh, my festival, and I, I appreciate your, your support deeply. Thank you. Um, just the still photography in itself uh, is worthy of uh, deviant art. It's worthy of printing the uh, illustration. Which one? Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's still pictures. Video or not. I mean, I'm not sure. Well, well I appreciate all the nice things that you said about Agatha. Uh, well, it is definitely uh, was shot with video. Uh, I should first note that I had a co-director, um, Kelly, who uh, did a, you know, a lot of the work as well. Um, I did definitely uh, all the digital uh, compositing and manipulation, but it was... Um, it, it was shot in video with actors green screen. It took it took a decade to make. Um, a decade. Yeah, it took ten years to make. It was a really grueling experience. Of and the actors were really our friends, and we were filming it in our in, in our living room. We have a big loft. And wait, it, did you say in your living room? Yes. Yes. So it was not actually filmed outside. It was all sh- filmed in our living room. You didn't wow. find like a local hellscape. No, no, it was all that, all of that was, 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 was created digitally. Um, awesome. I mean, so, you can teach Alex Proyas a thing as well. <laughs> that, that's, that's, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, actually, one of his movies, uh, uh, Dark City, was, was an influence for me, you know. Uh, I love that movie, and, you know, so, and, and I like The Crow, so I definitely am a big uh, Alex Proyas fan. Um, so, yes, now there was. A lot. I mean, I really wanted it to feel as both very, very real in terms of the integration of the people in this environment and very atmospheric and, and spacious, but also um, like a moving storybook um, or a moving painting. And so a lot of work was put in. Well, because if I just shot them on video and then try and put them in, in these artificial environments, it would have looked fake. But there was a lot of manipulation in terms of the rotoscoping and and um, a lot of uh, frame by frame animation in between the video, a lot of frame rate 
and tricks. A lot of things they did to make them as artificial and strange as that world, so that it made it feel more real in some weird, uncanny way. This, uh, this film is about a lot of dark themes. Depression, suicide, um, death, uh, there, you know, there's a, uh, what's it, well, there, there's an auto accident that happens, I don't, I don't want to reveal to it, uh, reveal it for spoilers, but were you trying to uh, uh, say something or make a statement about kind of, you know, coping how we deal with depression and, uh, and so forth with this film? Great question. Uh, it's perceptive to have noticed so many of those themes in there. Well, yes, uh, and also technology. Um, there is a lot of symbolism. We see a lot of circles, which symbolizes watching, seeing. Uh, there's a voyeurism, but there's also a way of the main character using technology of seeing the world through his phone as opposed to uh, as a way of hiding or, or um, not facing some of the some of his own uh, demons or some of the, the, the consequences to his actions uh, so even the so certainly the aesthetic the, the look of it you know is is um, was meant to sort of capture a sense of uh, hopelessness you know even the world you know there's a decaying institutions a sense of the decay all around um, even like the magic is 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 not shiny and new it's all sort of uh, corrupted by this sense of decay and things sort of falling apart uh, so um, and and to capture that feeling I wanted a more like an analog kind of feel like an old vintage analog yeah. feel to it of um, but but less nostalgic, but more sort of just just like like this uh, like, like this tragedy to it, you know, throughout the whole film. But certainly the the the, the themes of of watching, being watched, and watching other people, and using you know, because I mean I don't want to spoil too much, but I mean event, you know, it it takes the main character's death before his phone is removed, and he sees exactly what he did, you know. And that's and that's sort of what 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 the third act is is is, is about. Yeah, I would say um, that that revelation of I did something wrong, but either I'm not aware, or I'm feigning ignorance, or I'm delusional, um, has been used before in movies. It it's uh, it's still an, a nice trope, I think. It's it's a nice twist um, because it leads you in one direction and then you suddenly veer off. You have that revelation towards yeah. the end. Um, I think Agatha, without giving away too much, um, in the context of the film, um, where you're, you're being assaulted, you know, visually, sonically, um, this literal hellscape that you created, um, at times, it can be tough to follow the narrative because you are being assaulted, right? Um, and that's obviously the intention. I mean, every second, something different is, is hitting you, right? Um, so the twist at the end, I think, has a more pronounced effect because it's just, it's another element in this tornado that is, that is the feature. Um, so when you see it coming around, I felt even more immersed. Like, I was slipping. The longer I watched the movie, and I watched it 
I think a total of three times so far. I watched it, the initial screening. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I survived. I, I'm a changed man after. I'm no longer the same person I, I once was. Um, I, I should wear a little pin that says I watched Agatha three times and I lived. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a true horror movie. A horror movie, you should, the real one, good ones, you should get a pin that says I survived. Um, but the, it's a, the, going back to the, the twist, um, you feel yourself. I felt myself slipping more into the story because of it. Um, I felt myself being drawn to the characters more because of it. Um, the protagonist who you thought was maybe the victim, he suddenly has another face. So it, it's almost two movies in one and within the same hellscape. Um, so using that twist um, in that movie was ballsy <laughs> nice. because you are forcing anyone who's engaged enough in that movie at that point uh, is just, just going to feel like they're shit out of luck. Like now I'm just going to be here until the very end. Take it, take it or leave it. I, I'm going to be watching this because now I am uh, invested into these characters, right? Because you understand what had just happened if you could, right? Yeah. Um, and you can make it that far. You, you made it that far. <laughs> um, and uh, let me tell you, when I say make it that far and you survive, it's a movie you do have to experience. It's like uh, uh, your first experience in John Carpenter's a thing we talk about here a lot. It, it's movies that maybe you're uncomfortable with, but that's horror. You know, the good horror leaves you unsettled. You know, it leaves you agitated, uh, maybe anxious, right? And um, some of them will leave you feeling drained afterwards, right? Uh, because of your experience. I'm, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we enjoy coming back on that roller coaster, right? And it, it is a roller coaster. Um, so, you know, my hat's off to you. I mean, using that narrative in, in that film was an unholy mix. <laughs> well, let me point. take you to uh, just add on to what you were saying, Anthony, that um, I'm going to go out and just go as far as to say that that hellscape that you're talking about, I found it rather beautiful. There was a really odd beauty to, uh, you know, to it. I mean, you, you were talking, you were describing it as rather uh, like stark and just, you know, horrifying, uh, you know, and things. I, I felt my, found myself drawn into that. And I think that's what helps me uh, to have the film work for me, where I was drawn into that, uh, that environment. And I was basically seeing what the character was, uh, was going through, as you talked about. There's, he has to be made to realize what he did before he can fully accept his fate. And that's what we see. Um, and I'm watching this film and I'm thinking, this is poetry. This is beautiful. And the way I have to ask you, was it your first, always your first inclination that you were going to use uh, motion capture uh, animation for this? Was that always the concept or is that something that came about at some point in the process. Well, thank you for everything you guys said. Um, yes, it was always meant to, to have a certain look, a certain aesthetic, because um, it wanted it, wanted it to feel like a storybook. So, because um, it is, it, well, because we wanted to do this New England folk, folk tale, you know? And so that, the whole aesthetic, the whole vibe of capturing sort of that, that New England-ness um, of it, um, 
was was always intentional, for sure. Um, and and um, there was a lot of thought put into the sound design to make it as claustrophobic, you know, because part of it was that claustrophobia was. I wanted, you know, I wanted you to experience what the characters, how they were experiencing the world, you know, which was they're, you know, um, trapped essentially, you know, and so, 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 so that aesthetic definitely was a reflection of, yeah, of the, the kind of, of depression or the kind of sadness that the characters are going through. Now, the the beauty part is it is interesting because that is I did want it to be beautiful. I think we wanted it to be beautiful. We wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, we. we um, I think there's an interest in, I, I, I see horror as, what's interesting about horror is the, is the subversiveness of beauty in it, you know? Um, and, and, and being able to see the most horrific things in the most beautiful ways to me, it to me is, sticks with you longer than if it's just uh, repulsive, you know? So, so one, I guess disturbing is more like what we're going for, but, uh, but certainly beautiful. And that's why the colors are all very calculated to be, to be beautiful and, the, and the, the textures and, and like this textileness to it all, so every frame was a lot of thought into every frame. That's why it took so long. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I, I hope I address some of the concerns, some of the questions. But but yeah, there's a lot. You guys were perceptive in a lot of the, de the the details for sure. And there's also like a lot of weird hidden images through it. You know, yeah. um, it, it's. It, it's you know, it's, it's not something that's shot on video, you know, per se, you know, or or, or, or um, there's a lot of opportunities to sort of be subliminal with it. Well, and that image with the cat uh, later on, I, that's what I was, you know, looking at. This, this is, I was fascinated by that. And how is the cat? At first, you're thinking, the cat it plays a heavy role with the little girl, and maybe the cat is the one that gets killed, but. Then you realize there's something greater going on here. But I'm fasc I'm fascinated by watching this, uh, you know, this cat and this incredible animation that you were uh, that you were using. Um, now, doing in motion capture, did you actually use an actual house cat, uh, yeah. you know, a tabby that you? Uh, was there any fun in doing uh, uh, in doing that? I know pets can be well, really. Yeah, they say never use cats and and, and, and kids, you know. And, right. But so. I mean, we needed both, <laughs> and, and it, it was you know. Why not cats? Yeah, you know, or at least well, because they, they're hard to train. Oh you know, yeah. They don't. You know, you just, That's why you get a golden retriever. <laughs> yeah, a dog would have been easier, uh, but luckily we had a, a cat. A friend had a cat that was very, that you know. It liked very much being in the camera, you know. Sure. Um, so it, it it worked out well. Part of part of it was the apartment's kind of cold, but the the heat of the lights drew her right to where we needed her to be. Oh, nice. So it was easy, <laughs> easier to kind of get her to do stuff. <laughs> uh, speaking of the hidden imagery, there there are several times when our our character looks down at some stones that seem to have some writing on them. Yeah. Whenever I see a movie, there's the big black book and there are illustrations in it. I'm always wondering how accurate these are. So, uh, and there's some writing on a tree as well. Uh, for either one of these scenes, did you actually pull something specific up? Or, and really, the rocks sort of felt like they were supposed to be runes to me or, because or, uh, I'm old, uh, Dungeons and Dragons dice, something like that. So what can we talk about that a little bit? Okay, first of all, part of it is the inspiration, original inspiration of the story 
is historical. This is uh, it's, this film takes place well in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and Bridgeport, Connecticut uh, has a history of women being put to death. Um, uh, that is even before the Salem witch trials. Oh, wow. So that was the background. So I always thought, okay, you know, the, this could be an interesting foundation to a story where um, that's the history, and so the so these so these modern day witches are, are sort of descendants, and so that that early kind of corruption kind of is uh, manifested later on. Um, um, but you know, but now they're in a position of power. You know, as opposed to in the past, so so that language I always thought of something. You know, like they, you know, of them having their own little ritualistic language, the tree language. You know, as a way of uh, of communicating with this sort of deity um, uh, of sorts, and so that's sort of the foundation. They're not they're not referencing any particular culture. It's sort of everything. We, we, it was all kind of created our own sort of little little folklore with it. You know. Um, but familiar enough that you could kind of like, okay, is that like a sun symbol or is that like, what kind of symbol is that, you know? Familiar enough, but not, but its own, definitely its own thing. And there's a lot that wasn't explained. There's a lot that was left to the interpretation because a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of tropes that if, if you get into explaining it all, it kind of uh, it distracts from what I really want to focus on, which is the, the, the experience of being in that world and being uh, trapped essentially in that space in that world, and um, in the modern sort of the modern uh, consequences of uh, you know using technology to avoid responsibility. You know? yeah. Cool. I mean, that area certainly would have had plenty to draw from in and of itself. Uh, in, uh, Latin and uh, all the. Im- stuff that came over there before the witch trials and of course you have the uh, local indigenous peoples there Uh, so you had a lot you could have drawn from with that Uh, if there's one thing that people can take from your film what what would it be what would you like them to really think about when they come out of the theater from watching this well it's sort of abstract I would want them to leave with a feeling that they are changed by by experiencing something that they don't experience every day. I mean, the film wasn't made to be like this commercial thing. It was really made to to be art, you know. Yeah. Um, it feels like it. It does. Uh, it does. Yes. Oh, good. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so I think art can touch us in a in a in a in a sort of deeper place than just commercial commercial uh, sort of uh, works, you know. Um, and so, I would say that's. That's sort of what I want people to take out of it. It's something. It's 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 a feeling more so than any kind of specific. Um, something that I can that, that I can put into words, for sure. And now I should note that uh, I have a graphic novel that that's going to come out in the summer, which is sort of t- tries to delve into a lot more of the questions and a lot more of the mystery that wasn't um, explored necessarily in in the actual movie. So there is uh, more to the mythology, and and there's more to the, the, the to, to the tree, and more to what happens to the little girl. There's a lot of it that I'm exploring. Yeah, in, well, that will be discussed in much more detail in the graphic novel format, which works better. And um, some of that mystery works better in literary form. Um, the movie I wanted it to be purely like an experience. Like an experience. Uh, yeah, that brings me to uh, you, the next question. Uh, 
your plans for Agatha. Um, if you want to see this on a streaming platform like Tubi, like Amazon Prime, who would probably be head over heels to, to have something like this in their catalog or you know even Netflix. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's a work of art. Um, it might be that you release it to the film festivals, right? So audiences of this specific genre can enjoy it, right? Um, and then you say at the end, well, that's it. That, that's why I made it. I made it for the theater-going audience. You know, I don't want it out there digitally. I don't want scenes cut and, and thrown up on YouTube, right? It's I, I want to preserve this experience and the people who are fortunate to you know uh, brave the elements like today in Red Bluff and, and sit in the theater, right? Um, are, are experiencing it right now. They're probably saying, "Holy shit!" <laughs> they're, they're probably like, "Whoa!" Right? Uh, you don't but, want to see this as a background in a TikTok dance. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> movies that go public, yeah, they, they're memed, right? They're, I don't want to say copied, but, you know, it, it's out there. It's, it's out of your hands, right? So if, if it is a work of art, you might say, this is as far as I'm willing to go, and if you want to continue the story, there'll be a graphic novel out. And I have to Definitely. say, um, I'm a big comic book fan. And as soon as you said graphic novels, like, oh, yes, with the art style that you'd made this, I can so see this as a graphic novel. And, but in color or halftone? Uh, you know, I haven't decided. I have part of the book in color, and I have it, and I have it also in, in black and white. Um, I'm getting feedback from different people. So, yeah, well, in color. Yeah, we say color. It's, it's it's you're talking about. Yeah, very muted except for the for the reds or the you know yeah. certain colors that pop. Um, and so I'm not sure how I'm going to release it if it's going to be in, in full color or um, black and white. But in, on my Instagram, you could see examples of both, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so gra you know, graphic novels is, is an art form, and what's great about graphic novels is yeah, we get the viewer gets to control the pacing and control. Uh, the editing and you know, and, and they and they, they they interact with it in a different way than a film. A film definitely is, uh, it's yeah, you, it's basically just you, something that washes over you, you know. Yeah. Um, and a graphic novel, something that you engage in a very different way. Um, so I, yeah, I'm very interested in both art forms. Is is that it seems this movie seems like a graphic novel come to life. Yeah. Like if I were actually watching or reading a graphic novel and the images were coming off the page. This film brings me, uh, reminds me of that, or it has me thinking that. So I can see where your, if your background was in comics, or your background was in graphic novels, uh, I can see how you would, as you say, this uh, this story, you think is, you say is going to be told better in a graphic novel form, as you were uh, indicating that. I can see that. Uh, as far as uh, as far as that goes, and he mentioned about is this going to be in color or, or halftone, and I think it kind of halftone kind of matches with what the film is doing, because everything on this, if you're going to do color, it's going to be very very muted. Everything on here seems to be very uh, muted, except when you see the red and when you see um, a couple of other uh, moments of color. So I think halftone might be, I don't know, might be the way to go, but I am like the least of the artists among these three. So 
Yeah, well, I want to keep that 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 strange vintage. Um, even the color, uh, even when I'm thinking about color, it's something where it's as if the color is half bleached out, where it's almost as if it can't, it could only, like color can't even breathe enough to sort of uh, uh, be colorful. You know, it would, uh, the same way the movie, you know, um, as if color is not allowed to get to a certain, you know, pitch, you know. Um, so that's, yeah, very much, uh, I, like I want it to be faded. It would stay, you know, it'll, it'll continue that weird faded look, which is part of the tone, you know. I would say tone is more where I'm going for, less, say, color. Yeah, it's, this feels like something that needs to be done in watercolors, maybe. <laughs> Washed out watercolors. Uh, uh, some streaks. Flashy. Yeah. Some streaks in it. Tears and blood. Because that's really what a lot of this, There's a lot of blood in that movie, you know. Uh, there's not a lot of gore, but there's a lot of... Uh, uh, I can't say... I won't say too much about it. There's a lot of blood, alternative blood, being splashed around for very specific reasons there. So... Uh, now, I was just talking to someone today about uh, uh, people who are, are alternative religion and so forth, and I had an experience once where I, I did a picture, sword and sorcery sort of stuff, uh, the redhead and the beach and interesting clothes and whatnot, and someone came up and goes, oh, she's performing such and such ritual. And of course, the next words were, and she's doing it wrong. <laughs> Are, have you had any feedback like that? Are you worried about that? People are going to come up and say, oh, they're trying to perform this ritual on it. Uh, then necessarily, it's definitely all, even the magic. Every, we wanted it all to have a certain chemistry. Like it, it'd be more about like a, the use of chemistry, alchemy, more so than um, it's like magic per se, you know? So, so it was all based on, yeah, I guess... It's sort of science, it's sort of, uh, you know, yeah, it's sort of math. Um, and it's, it was more like, like cooking. I thought of it more like that than, than um, we did as directors. More, more, yeah, more like chemistry than, uh, even, even with the sound design, we wanted the sound of like a nuclear generator, you know, um, in the magic, you know. So it's grounded uh, more in, like in the earth and, and less on the, maybe certain pagan ritual ways of, 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 um, of doing things, for sure. Yeah. So we wanted the magic to be, yeah, that's why it was, even, you know, like even when she was creating or, or, or making stuff with, with the kettle, I would, you don't want to be too close, you know what I mean? It's, and, uh, it's probably as toxic as it is. <laughs> the magic comes from your imagination, thinking just about how, how horrible it could be. Exactly. Awesome. You guys have anything? Uh, I can wrap it. Um, so tell me, Roland, um, other than the graphic novel, what's on the docket with you? Well, that's, that's been the, the big one, I'm finishing that up. And I, I also did a, like a pilot script based on Agatha, like the aftermath. You know, really? almost For like... TV? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and it's a... Essentially, it's uh, you know more of an, an investigation. If what if the videos got out, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know, and uh, the Agatha tapes. The Agatha tapes, exactly. So that's sort of how how it's it started from. So there's all this foundation from the movie and the comic, but the but but the series uh, idea is definitely more 
about uh, piecing together all the mysteries you know that, that that's that's left out in the, the film well i think um that will wrap it um we covered everything uh, if you want to see agatha uh for the time being it's available for uh viewing at film festivals only um uh, so you're gonna have to go on rolandbecerra.com Rollinbesetta.com. Or, or my uh, or my Instagram. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Roland uh, underscore Becerra. Excellent, excellent. Um, that's our show, guys. Appreciate you tuning in and uh, listening to our introspective without spoilers for Agatha, written and directed by Roland Becerra. Uh, Kelly Bigelow. Becerra. And Kelly Bigelow. Yeah. Kelly Bigelow. Al, you want to go ahead and take us out? Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember to watch horror films. Keep America strong. <laughs>